I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We are podcasting today from someplace very cool and special. Yeah, we are. Um, the Wilson Pop-Up Store on Broadway here in New York City. Um, how long has this been a pop-up for? We have had a racket residency for the month of September, so it's nearly over. But they, until October 3rd, are hosting Love All, which is a Wilson tennis experience. So when we walked in today, walking through the museum, walking through some of the, obviously, the retail Looking at the history, Billie Jean King did her book signing here for All In. She gave a speech with Cat uh, Adams. I had a chat and an interview. So there's a really, really cool, you know, display going through, you know, from the Billie Jean King years to the Serena Williams years to the Roger Federer years. And obviously there's a store. And here we are upstairs in the lounge that Racket has curated. Yeah. So it's a very, very cool, very, very cool thing that we are exciting. It's exciting to not do this in your living room. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. But um, yeah, I'm a lot more excited about doing it here. I was not able to come to all those really cool events uh, during the US Open because I was working, as you know. And yeah, so it's kind of cool to see the history, obviously, with Billy and um, Roger and Serena and Venus, um, seeing their sort of fo- photos and their pictures up on the wall here. It's been, it was really cool. So uh, yeah, and you did a great job. Obviously, Racket always does a great yeah. job. Yeah, thank you. So if anybody wants to visit it, um, it is at 594 Broadway in Soho. You can pick up a guide that we did to New York City Tennis. Yeah, that was cool, dude. It was all the public courts that we frequent, a few donut spots Wait, that I like to hit up afterwards. It's it's courts that you frequent because yeah, I, frequent. I don't have um, anywhere near the time that you do clearly to find tennis no, courts. No, it's flexibility. It's, mm. it's a- attitude and flexibility. That's what I have. You want to meet anyone who plays more tennis than every tennis player on the tour? It is Caitlin. Well, uh, anyway. You know what? I'm living the Racket Magazine lifestyle. You are. Somebody and I have to there. say, do come to the store. Please pick up one of those guides because if you do want to find the most random tennis courts in New York City and donut shops, Caitlin's your girl. There you go. All right. We have so much to talk about. We do. A post-US Open, suddenly very fecund period on the calendar. Fecund. Fecund. Is that too much of a word for you to get um, your mind around? I mean, it is early. It's but... early. Um, <laughs> We've got Ostrava with three exclamation marks for some reason, which I love. Yeah, what is up with that? I have no idea, but I saw it on the court and I just, whenever I see it written, now I'm going to scream, Ostrava! Ostrava! <laughs> uh, they put the exclamation marks on the paint, on the word, on the back of the baseline. It's brilliant. I love it. Great marketing. I will say, though, that when you when you think about tennis, particularly women's tennis, you think of Ostrava. No, you think about the Czech <laughs> Republic. I mean, honestly, you think about places like this that have produced so many great champions and clearly they have a bunch still in the tournament there. 
um, led by, of course, Patrick Ovidova, um, who I believe is the number two seed there. But uh, we have an incredible lineup at that tournament this week. Um, we're seeing players that we'd hoped were going to have great careers in the future. And we've seen what the US Open produced with an 18 and 19-year-old. So some of these 22, three-year-olds are like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought tennis was supposed to be for 30-year-olds now, but no, it's not. Um, so, you know, players like Shantek, who, of course, is a French Open champion. She's the number one seed there. And um, Rabakina, Sakari, Kvitova, Bencic. I mean, this is an incredibly loaded yeah, that's draw. Yeah, that's a at, murderer's row Hence the players. reason Ostrava gets three exclamation All points, the exclamation points on the courts. Um, so it's kind of nice to see them uh, playing indoors um, as well in Europe. Um, I'm not going to say anything about going to China after the US Open, but mm. it is a, it's really tough for the players to go to China. And so clearly there's a lot of money there, Caitlin. I mean, Beijing, yeah. uh, Wuhan. Brand new stadiums. Shenzhen. Just massive facilities. Just an enormous amount of money in, yeah. in Asia and in China in particular. And so tough for them during the pandemic. Now it's been a couple of years that they're going to miss out on having tournaments there. And I do feel sorry for them because they do put a tremendous amount of work in there. But from the player's perspective, not going to China is yeah. a lot easier for them, particularly Europeans. They go back to Europe and they play tournaments like Ostrava now right. that would not have had the same draw because players would have been yeah, in, for sure. in Europe. So I don't know if the well, WTA needs to think about that. Yeah, or, it's tough. It's tough though, right? You it's can't tough. say no to the dollars. That's I mean, the problem. There are some human rights reasons to maybe say no to the dollars. But, you know, again, it's, it's a tough landscape. Before we get back to Ostrava. Um, and talk about some of the great matches. I just want to sort of lay out what the rest of this year looks like, because as you mentioned, it's way different than what the rest of the year looks like, uh, especially on the women's side, which would be having their tour finals in Shenzhen. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be in Guadalajara, which is cool AF to me. Um, I'm going to try to go. To you. It's probably cool AF to a lot of people. And ahead of that, we've got um, Indian Wells, which starts uh, in a week and a half in California. Usually it's in March. It's been... Um, push back to October this year. The reason I've heard is obviously they want a big fan base to come. They are totally open to fans, but also there's only one hospital in the entire Coachella Valley. And that population who lives in Palm Springs year round, elderly, not young, young. So you want to make sure that you're ready and everybody's <laughs> vaccinated before you have a massive international event. Yeah. I mean, obviously look, the decision they made a couple of years ago, I was out there. Um, we couldn't believe it, but now looking at it in hindsight, my God, thank God. What a good just right? I mean, They were the first major sporting event to call it off. The first major sporting event to call it off. I believe the NBA the, maybe. The NBA did or, no, the a NCAA, game. The NCAA, I think, had canceled a game, and then I think it went into tennis. But that was the first really major event that got canceled. And, it, I mean, I, I remember I was talking to you, and I was like, or no, I was actually texting Sam Stoza, and she said, it's canceled. I don't know how it came about, but the word started coming to us yeah. at the racket house. Well, everybody was well. just checking their phone like, oh, my God. What is happening? Yeah. I mean, so now, of course, hindsight, two years later, yeah. we can look at it and go, they made a great decision. But that's a tough call for any tournament to make. Tough call for any 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 you know. Know, tournament to make. But having said that, it's great that we have a tournament in the U.S. It's going to be a haul for the Europeans to come back from Europe. Yeah. Back to California. It's a long, long flight. Um, so we'll see who turns up there. And some of them have never left. I mean, you've seen Garmenia yeah. Muguruza. She's been in California hanging well, out. Co you know, it helps that it helps her that coach her has coach a house in uh, lives in San Solano Diego. Beach, basically. Sure. And, uh, so, um, but a lot of them haven't gone back. Some of them, like we said, are playing Ostrava. Some of them are in 
the U.S. now, either training or about to play Chicago. Some are playing on a small event in Columbus. Yep. Um, nice to see a couple of Americans doing well there. And also, um, yeah, Chicago starting, which, you know, to me, being a player back 20, 30 years ago, like we had tournaments at the end of the year in the U.S. We yep. had the Chicago's and Philadelphia's and that was after the US Open? indoor tournaments at the end of the year uh-huh. that led into the Madison Square Garden Championship, which is such a cool concept that we should bring back. Yeah. Tour finals, exhibition in the middle of a basketball stadium. We got to get the money yeah. in New York. And that's the key. Um, unfortunately, we follow the money and sometimes that leads us to places that we probably shouldn't be at. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so it's nice to see in different places. I don't know how the WTA, I'm sure it's going to go back to Asia after this, but um, well, having been a Chicago resident for a long time, are you pumped that there's a legit there's big tournament? There's three tournaments there this year. They've had two tournaments prior to the year. And this Open. one's a big one. This was a 500. And this is a 500, which yeah. it's at uh, Kamal Murray's place in the south side of Chicago, yeah. where I lived for a bunch of years um, in Chicago, and I went down to that uh, academy. It's excess tennis. It's incredible um, Yeah, it's courts. supposed to be an incredible facility. Incredible facility in the south side of Chicago, not a yeah. place where you think mega of tennis. But the Midwest is a huge tennis yeah. mecca. Um, actually, Wilson, believe it or not, they have the headquarters, I believe, in Chicago. I remember driving to the airport and I would always see the Wilson yeah. sign. Um, so it's a huge tennis city. Good for them that they get a tennis event back. There's a lot of great. cities that should have big, big tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, L.A. being one of them. Obviously, that lost its yeah. charter. Philadelphia should San have Diego. a tournament. San they Diego had, should have a tournament. San Diego was my favorite tour stop Yeah, um, on the tour when we had it at La Costa. Yeah. Um, so and I know I think, the men are having a tournament in San Diego. It's not. Uh, oh yeah, Danny Valverde Barnes. is the is the um, tournament director. Oh really? It. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So the I think it's at the Barnes Tennis Center. That sounds familiar, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But yeah. but yeah, the guys are there, so it'd be nice to see the women get a chance to go back yeah. to San Diego. Well, I just want to make. I a, have a surfboard there. Well, where is it? It's at Conchita's house with oh. my. With my uh, full steamer uh, wetsuit. You're going to have to explain for to non-Australians what a steamer is? It's a full wetsuit because okay. it gets cold in California. It sounds so gross. It sounds like you're like you're a... No, I'm covering my... Like a clam that's being covering steamed my legs. On, a, on a fire. No. At a clam shack. Just ask a surfer what a steamer is. They'll be able to tell you. It's not just an Australian thing? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think it is. But so anyway, is a cozy, so. I just want to make a point about this calendar thing because a lot of people... There's some fun... Um, thought experiments that always fly around. What would it be like? What are your, what if the labor cup had a women's edition, oh. <clears throat> which it should, don't get me started. What I if, will get you started. Fine. Um, you know, what if we shortened the calendar, but made every event dual and made doubles and mixed doubles mandatory, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, but that'll never happen. And it's like, you know what? Anything can happen at any time in any way with enough willpower and imagination. And it sh- constantly shocks me how, averse to change people are and then all of a sudden something plops down and it's like oh of course we have a tournament in chicago that's a 500 oh of course we're gonna play you know indian wells in october it's like hey everybody stop getting married to the way things have been and start opening your minds to the way things could and should be because then we can sort of envision a, a tournament a tour a a joint gender structure that benefits everybody fans brands players most importantly and it gives us you know the sport that we deserve which is one with healthy athletes and really engaged fanships, you know? So for me, I really like to have these thought experiments, not because I'm trying to be provocative, but rather to sort of say like, hey, you know, 
500 years ago, we lived in an age of monarchs where, like, the right of kings to rule over land was... Okay, let's not get into Game of Thrones. But I'm just saying, you know, and now we live in democracies, for better or for worse. So, you know, nothing is nothing is set in stone, so let's be creative about how we think about it. And nothing has been more impressive than Tennis's response to how difficult the calendar, bubbles, yeah. travel, and the players have been flexible and the audiences have shown up. The ratings have been there. And so let's continue to innovate and try to think about what continues to make the sport better and more engaging and the players healthy and engaged. Yeah, I mean, and look, we could talk ad nauseum about what is the betterment of tennis. You know, is it having in in Asia? Is it having in China? But I do think that there are parts of me that always, I, I, I do have a hard pro, hard time sometimes with tournaments being in places that do have human rights issues. Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, WTA championships in Qatar, in uh, Doha, you know, and, you know, it's not exactly the mecca of women yeah, getting equality. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, why are we having the WTA yeah. championships there? Right. And of course I know why, because they're shelling out the money. Right. Okay. So you want this Shenzhen, same thing, China. Yeah. We're having the diff- issues with the Uyghurs there. And, I mean, you could you could call out many countries, I yeah. mean, Russia, for example, or whatever. So, But I do think it's, a, it's the same with the Olympics. I wrote a story about that uh, years ago about you know, when you're choosing these places, whether it be having the Olympics or having the WTA finals, okay, they're throwing a lot of money at us, but we've got to have a moral code. We have to have a moral code at some point, and I do believe in that. I I just would love the American sponsorships and American companies to get behind tennis more in this country. And after what we saw at the US Open with the women's final, having better ratings than the men's, when someone was going for the golden, excuse me, the grand slam of tennis. The number one seed versus the number two seed outshone, outperformed by tons. And some people say, well, it was going up against the NFL. Not to mention the fact that the women's tennis matches have been going up against the NFL all year and college football. So the truth is the audience is there. If Roger had been playing Rafa, believe me, for for a Grand Slam, the ratings would have been through the roof. Sure. Okay. So it just shows you people want to watch what they want to watch and who they want to watch and they make those decisions prior. And that story between Layla... And Emma, it was it overtook the U.S. Open because people were interested in these young new faces that were changing the way tennis was viewed. I think that's true. I also, Two people that never been heard of. Yeah, Caitlin. I, I mean Emma to a certain degree because what happened at Wimbledon. Right. She had a good but these were two run. young players that never had any exposure. Yeah. So I, it's I, incredible. I think I think the the. The part of that that's really exciting for me is, yeah, we like a Cinderella story. We like this idea of, like, young talent. Carlos Alcaraz on the men's side had a very similar run where he – or Brooksby Jensen or Jensen Brooksby, whichever of those two first names comes first. Um, You know, and I think part of it is, yes, like, new stories, new faces, new storylines. And I also think, you know, the tennis is there and it's compelling and it really – challenged the tennis world in a great way in a way that racket has always been about to stop relying on the same tired narratives and the same three or four names and start to say oh this sport is interesting because of the characters because of the matchups because of the clashes and stories are going to appear that we had no idea about and and maybe stories that we thought were predetermined narratives like novak marching to his 21st career major and you know The the slam for the calendar year Ended up being a story about like, oh, wait, did this guy just get like the thing he has actually been looking for the whole time, which is like love, love from the crowd? Yeah. What a, who could have seen that story coming? And because people that were to open me is to a it, story. Were, it's a much greater story than watching this guy collapse on the ground after winning another so here's trophy, thing you know? You. Racket Magazine does these great stories about the Medvedevs, about Naomi Osaka, before they really 
became big. And because they're, as you said, they're not looking through the lens of what sells, what sells. Mm-hmm. No, you're looking through the lens of who can we sh- shine a light on to actually expose that tennis is cool. Yeah. And it's different. Right. And I think that that's a challenge for Tennis Channel. Oh, um, sure. And I think that if, you know, I'm going to call Tennis Channel out, yes, okay, I, I work for ESPN, but Tennis Channel is how people in this country view tennis. And for I think the vast it, majority, for, with the exception of three, the, three of the slams, yeah. everybody's getting their day in and day out tennis from the Tennis Channel. So my thing is, how do you not have more independently, um, you know, stuff that is on Tennis Channel that is uh, original content? Yeah. That is stories about players. It's about stories about their lives. It's about, um, you know, really investing in trying to grow all of these different players' narratives and stories. Well, I think they would say that they have my tennis life and what are we talking about and how dare we critique that. But the truth is the creative direction, the creative minds that are a tennis channel, it's an ossified place and it's been directed by the same voices, entirely men for as far as I can tell. From a creative standpoint, I believe there's one senior woman in the marketing department. Um, and, you know, it, they have a hard time keeping women, keeping people of color. The, 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 you turn on the TV and you see a panel of white guys agreeing with each other for, most, for the most part. You know, our beloved Mary Carrillo doesn't work there anymore. Lindsay Davenport and Chandra Rubin do a great job. Um, but they're, I don't hear them enough. Mm-hmm. And the truth is there's not enough narrative focus. Well, I don't understand on- also why when I turn it on um- – you know, you'll hear uh, someone like yesterday, for example, Mark Knowles was introducing the matches and then they went to the world feed commentators. I don't understand that. Like you've already got somebody in the studio clearly at all hours of the night um, narrating in between matches and not using actual tennis channel commentators using world feed. So why buy the rights if you're going to use the Well, yeah, I don't understand that. But but it's more along the lines, Caitlin, of like just something different. You know what I mean? Like having hours and the pandemic showed how important it is to have original content. A hundred percent. And look at the last dance, look at drive to survive F1, all of this stuff, you know, and I know that there are people scrambling, including people who've approached us about doing all sorts of projects like this, documentaries, behind the scenes, narratives, some of them about obscure people from history, art, fashion, culture, all the stuff that we've always been about because to us, tennis has been more than three names. It's been more than one or two narratives. And, you know, I think there are a lot of, um, you know, very greedy folks at the top who saw no reason to change, you know, the the few storylines and the few pockets that were getting embellished and the pie shrunk as a result. Yeah. I'm interested in the pie growing, even if it means a, a proportionally smaller slice for a lot of different players, because there's going to be a lot of people at the table. And one of the things I really challenge the tennis channel specifically, but anybody in this sport to do is just like I was talking about the calendar being a not immutable object, but in fact, like something that everyone can kind of tear up and and start again. The pandemic is giving us every single facet of this sport from brands to clothing, to recreational tennis, to storylines, to the way we talk about the sport in print media, in digital media, and in broadcast media, a chance to hit the reset button. And why shouldn't we take it? Because we have more eyeballs on the sport and more recreational racket purchases. Wilson was telling me their recreational percentage increase is insane. Um, You know, and I think for me, that's an indication that the tennis boom is here to stay. And let's really do a good job of making that door stay open. Yeah. Because it hasn't always been open. I just, you know, when I do the podcast with players, um, whether it be ex-players or current players, my goal is to make them seem interesting and to make them 
um, well, they are interesting, yeah, but we just don't, enough to we just that. don't yeah. hear enough about their lives, you know, and some people will listen to a podcast and be like, God, I never knew that about so-and-so. And I'm like, that is the job of, in my opinion, of, um, ten- the tennis channels, the ESPNs. Um, and I know that they'll say that their agents stop them from doing a lot of this stuff, which is absolutely true. Um, so I also put it back on the agents, um, to sometimes understand the importance of, television the medium of television and the medium of these cool magazines and stuff to show a different light of their of their clients yeah. and stop you know pushing the one or two and start thinking about how they can grow the sport for themselves as well and for the and for their clients but anyway yeah um so let's talk about tennis yeah we? let's talk about tennis <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, What's on your mind? um, Darren Cahill and Simona Halep splitting up. That was an interesting little tweet that was sent out the other day by Simona. Um, I'm not really surprised about it. I haven't talked to Darren about it. I'll be very transparent. Obviously, I'm very good friends with Darren and um, with Simona. Um, Didn't see that um, happening or coming, but... um, Clearly, we're going to see where Darren Cahill ends up because he's I mean, now. He's on got, the, can he coach me? He's on the market, um, so we'll see where like he turns up. I have a feeling I know where he's going to turn up, but I'm not going to say it because it's a guess. It's me. It's definitely not you. Although he could possibly help your forehand. So somebody's got to because it's, I've helped your backhand, but um, no, you told me your my forehand's above your pay grade. Yeah, that's it's so Darren Cahill. So Darren Cahill's your guy. <laughs> um, also, Simona Hap just got married. Yeah, we'll see where Sumo ends up. But uh, the coach, the husband's not a potential coach. No, he, no, no. He was like He's an agent, definitely right? not a coach. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they just felt like, and you do get to a point, um, even if you, I mean, they have really good friends. They like each other a lot as human beings. So I think it's also come down to the fact that maybe they've just run the race. You know, they, there's only so many things and so many times you can say the same thing to a player yeah. before you feel like, you've done everything you can to help them. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it's a good time. I mean, six years is a long time together. They had that that break in between um, when Darren basically said, if you don't pull your head out of your ass and stop being a shithead <laughs> on the court, I'm out. <laughs> so, Everybody needs to do so that, that works. from time to time. It, yeah, but, you know, cr- credit to him because yeah. I will tell you there's not a lot of coaches that do stuff like that. Yeah. 
you know, I would hope that my players always feel like I'm telling them how great they are. And, they're supported. And they're, they you know, do it. They, I right. wouldn't be here if I didn't believe in them. And, yes, you can hit that forehand under pressure. And, yeah. yes, I feel like you're the best player I've ever worked with. And whatever it is, you just tell them, you know, you you got to tell them what they're doing wrong at the time on the practice court. But when it comes to matches and their emotional state, you've yeah. got to be very positive with them yeah. constantly because that's the thing that they hook onto in the crisis moments course, on the court. Of course. And, you know, I would suspect that Sam would say on um, at crisis moments, she would hear me in the back yeah. of her head telling her how great she is yeah. and how this and how that. And it was always positive. Now, whether she believes it or not at that time, it's not like, that's not yeah, my but you've, issue. But you've labored to try to get her to that place. That's right. But if you're constantly ripping on your player yeah. that they're incapable of doing something under pressure, that's what they're going to fall to. Well, very, very few people perform their best when they are in a state of fear and anxiety. And yeah. having had a coach in college who tore us down and pitted us against each other, I can tell you that, yeah, you, you maybe got people to run harder in practice, but when it came time to match play or doubles or cheering for each other on a court, none of that materialized because we were all basically Scared. in a state of fear and anxiety yeah. as opposed to, hey, we're all in this together. Let's go. You look over your coach and they're pumping their fists. They're positive. You feel like they have your back. That stuff makes a world of difference. At least it did at my, you know, D1 college level. And I can't even imagine at the pros. So seeing yeah. somebody get demoralized, especially a great, young, super talented player. Young, good. Reba Kina has a great career ahead of her, assuming that, yeah. you know, she puts the pieces together and maybe this is a piece that could be changed. I mean, listen, I don't know if her coach... Uh, or anyone here in her in her camp listens to Racket Magazine podcast, but if they do, and if he hears this, you are doing a disservice to your player by ripping her a new one every single time she plays a match in front of everybody in at the gyms, in the players' lounges, yeah. wherever it is. You're doing a disservice, and any coach out there that thinks that that's okay. You you uh, you need to come and have a chat with me because it is not okay. <laughs> now there are, there are times where I have gone over a match with my player in the gym, and you know, I mean, I'm very animated, and you, no one would ever think I'm yelling at my player. Yeah. And so if if you are dealing with that as a player, you got the wrong person. Yeah. Because you need someone who's going to support you in the toughest moments. Be tough on you, tell you what you could have done better and whatever. But in the end, you have to feel like in the pressure moments like it's Simona Halep with Darren she would never feel anything but support from him in those yeah. moments um you have got to have that person on your in your camp and so well, I, I don't know why I wanted to bring that up no, but, but it's, it's been it's, bothering me for like yeah at least a year because I've seen it for a year yeah. now for him so um well I want it's an actually a nice segue into somebody that we want to talk about who is Maria Suckery who's mm-hmm. had who's come getting closer and closer to having the breakthrough that I think a lot of people who watch her play, mm-hmm. who, who, when you see her and she's on, you think, oh, this is one of, the, one of the greatest players in the world. She's fit. She's fast. She's got all the tools. And she's come very, very close and had, frankly, some kind of devastating results in the Grand Slams, only to say she's done so great, had a match point to go into the finals at Roland Garros event against Barbara Krejcikova. Ended up losing the match. I think a lot of people... Or as I like to call her, Krajikova. Whatever you want to pronounce her name as. Mm. She had a match point. Maria Sakari should have been in that final against Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, to me. Um, Similarly, she had, uh, you know, a matchup in the semis of of the U.S. Open against Emma Raducanu. That's, I, I think... I don't know if that's a more winnable match or a less winnable match, but, you know, she's she's knocking on the door and that's got to that's gotta hurt. Clearly became favorite. Once yes, Layla Fernandez favorite, yes. won her match against Sarkari. Uh, sorry, against... Um, Sabalenka. Uh, Sabalenka. And then she knew that going into that match, she was by far the overwhelming favorite to win the tournament. Yeah. To beat Raducanu and then also to beat 
Fernandez. Layla Fernandez in the final. In so final, yeah. I think I don't know if the pressure of that moment hit her. Um, it's similar to what happened at the French. It was all of a sudden it was such an open yeah. tournament. Um, and you know Maria is if there's a nicer kid on tour, there's not many. Um, she works hard. She puts her head down. She plays tough. Um, and I think she's getting better at learning to deal how how to play the game of tennis because um, she does have quite a good all court sort of game. What I do think you mean play the game of tennis? Like constructing just, points or more like yes, constructing points and when to go for the big okay. shots and when to slice the backhand sometimes, when to come into the net every now and again. There's definitely parts of her game that can get better, and I think they will over time. Um, she's with Tom Hill. She's been with him now for a while, so I think that. You know, she's learning and maturing and hopefully the next time the semifinals rock around, she'll be prepared and ready to go. Yeah. Um, she had a weird incident incident at the US Open where she had the wrong skirt size on at the beginning of the match. Maybe that threw her. She was literally had a, a, a skirt on too big, huh. which I just don't even know how that happens yeah. because we all get the sizes sent to us prior. Yeah, maybe it was a... Just a, an error in yeah, the and you don't look. You don't look yeah, at the side. You just put it on because right. Adidas would have given that to her. Right, you're just. I look. like to say Adidas gave her that bag of stuff, and she probably just took it out thinking it was a proper size, and it wasn't. Yeah. So that threw her for sure in the first couple of games because I even reported on that on ESPN Live. I mm. said there's something going on with that skirt. Yeah, and then she went off the court at through two one, I believe, and changed it. But she had opportunities to break Emma in the first game and didn't do it, and was stressed about this stupid skirt and. And then all of a sudden, you know, she ends up losing the match. So I don't know. That's that was like a weird moment that but happened a, for me. A, and which is why I'm really happy to see her in Ostrava, yeah, doing really doing well, well. Because I look at the year that she's had, and again, somebody like Sabalenka, who's so close. Like they're getting closer and closer. And these are two players you oh, can God, see in finals. Sabalenka, same. Can see in you know holding trophies over their heads, but Grand Slam trophies over their heads. And you just sort of think, who's oh, going to be first? Sabalenka, probably. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but but from a coaching perspective, since you were just talking about belief, mm-hmm. you know, those are both interesting moments to sort of go back and say, okay, I'm close. How do I take the lesson from that without being devastated? I think that Sabalenka um, will appreciate not having fifteen thousand people screaming against 100%. her. Hundred percent. That definitely affected her, and definitely probably cost her the match. She never loses that match on any other circumstance. I don't believe so either. Not even close. Um, and I think that for Maria, it's just learning to deal with the pressure of being really good now. Yeah. And she's having to do and that. Expectations. And she's doing that. I mean, yeah. she's at her highest ranking. So I, I really, I love her. I mean, if there was a player I'd love to coach, it would be her. But um, she definitely is um, a player that will win a slam. She's just got to stick at it. And I think probably the French will be her best. Yeah. Um, even though she plays great on hard court. Yeah. Um, so I just think her game lends itself really well to clay. So so we'll see. Um, Labor Cup. What do we think about Labor Cup? Wow. I, for the record, love exhibitions. I love team events. Mm-hmm. I love innovation. Mm-hmm. It's why I really, really, truly love and will fight to the death anybody who comes at me about Patrick Maritoglu's Ultimate Tennis Showdown. I think it's fun and silly and there's nicknames and the trophies of Lightning Bolt and it's dual gender. <clears throat> um, I, there's a lot that I appreciate about the fact that there's a new event with lots of hype and lots of spend and lots of creative direction. There's a lot that I'm finding left, left wanting and it's not all Zverev related to be honest. Um, but the choice to include somebody who's been credibly accused of domestic violence as your marquee player um, is just that a choice. Should it have been a timeout from them with him? 
he should be suspended from the tours pending an ATP investigation. The fact that the ATP, the USTA, and Tennis Australia are all investors in this event, and they haven't pulled that card, um, is disappointing. The fact that Teammate was representing, you know, again, the company that puts this event on, that owns this event, where this accusation of domestic violence in part occurred, confirmed to us in our original reporting by a Labor Cup official, um, is really disappointing. They, if anybody knows about what happened, it's them. At a certain point, it's a choice. It's not just the default setting. Yeah. And in an invitation-only tournament, you know, the U.S. Open can't control whether Alex Verov makes a semifinal or a yes, final. Yes, I understand what you're saying. The invitation to come and represent your country and pose for photos around in suits and be part of all the press, and then to further delete comments with that from the internet with anybody crazy. critical of the choice to continue to include him is I, insane. It's a Barbara Streisand scenario. That is crazy. I could not believe when people were tweeting to me yeah. about it, and I was like, oh, "Look, I've got no control of this. Don't." I mean, I yeah, can, what are you gonna? I, I mean, do? what am I gonna do? Yeah. I mean, listen, if I was the commish, yeah. I mean, I would have women at this event. But hey, that would be Hopman Cup, <laughs> right? But what, yeah, what was so bad about Hopman Cup? Nothing. Um, yeah, I. Um... <laughs> if I if I were the commish, I would uh, I would have all three of the governing bodies I just mentioned divest. I would have a real reckoning, and I would say, listen, exhibitions are great. It does not bother me in the least that it's you know, related to points that people are taking it seriously, that they're spending a lot of money and getting a lot of fans engaged. I think that's awesome. Yeah. What I find critical about it is the choices that are being made. And when you look at something that's so great, like Hotman Cup, that is dual gender, that's extremely popular, that the players love, that, again, brings eyeballs onto the sport. I got a text from my mother-in-law, who I think has spent a total of two minutes contemplating the game of tennis, much less watching it. (laughs) Roger Federer is playing. It's so true. She could not give less of a shit. I got a text from her at 7 in the morning. Roger Federer is playing Serena Williams. How do I watch? And I said, well, that's kind of true. It's in Australia. It's a Hopman Cup. They're playing on a mixed team against each other. But the truth is they are playing against each mm-hmm. other. And you can watch it. And here's how. Like, Wouldn't it be nice to see Andy Murray and Emma Ranicato 100% playing an event playing right for now? the Brits right. in Seriously. Hopman Cup? Like, I mean, yeah. I, am look, I get, is Brackett going to have question. to bring this back and call it the Racket Cup? We will do it. Just somebody give me all your money. Oh, I'd do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Can I be your coach? Yeah, you coach the you world. Coach the world team. Well, I could coach either because I do have dual citizenship. Um, no, but that's still world. You wouldn't be able to coach Europe. It's world versus Europe. So you're oh, a world coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get, yeah. I don't know. Be, I mean, be, my ancestors do, do come somewhere from Nobody England, cares about your ancestors. Listen, here. here's my thing about that whole Zverev thing. And I get asked ad nauseum about it on Twitter and come on, make a comment. And listen, here's the deal. The reporting has been done. The story is out there. You can read it for yourself. I'm not going to give you any further answers to that story and what happened than what the reporting is going to. So do me a favor. Stop asking me about it on Twitter. I do appreciate that you bring me into the fold, but I don't have anything more to give on that. The one thing that I do not understand about this entire inquisition and this whole thing is that that um, Labor Cup official that went to the room, quote, unquote, Yeah. Um, and saw and apparently said that she was in that bathroom yeah. with insulin. Right. What? Where is that guy or girl? I don't know who it is. It could have been a woman or a man. Do you know if it was a woman or a man? I do. We fact-checked it with legal, um, but I won't reveal their gender. But, yes, it's a person. They confirmed it. This is a so multi-source why isn't story. this person? why isn't this person brought up by the ATP? I, I respect that question, but I also think... There are 
first of all, by the thresholds of domestic violence policy, if there were one on the books, and there are rules on the books for everything, Riley would probably get a $10,000 fine yeah, for f- carrying a bag onto the court that's Which, not approved. Um, if somebody is accused of violence credibly, like Bernard Tomek Stad gets the boot from a tournament, right? Like there are all sorts of rules that don't even exist on the books about domestic violence specifically that could be applied here. So two things. Some of this abuse was alleged to have occurred at ATP, ITF, and Labor Cup events, all three. Any one of those bodies could decide, hey, we have we'll create a domestic violence policy as the NBA has, as many other sports leagues have, and we will suspend the player investigate and come to our own conclusions. We don't need a law. First of all, this woman is Russian. I'm sure she doesn't want to press charges in Russia. These events were alleged to have occurred in the U.S., Paris, and Geneva, which are all three very different jurisdictions. Alex Verov is a citizen of Germany of Russian descent who lives in Monaco. What are the extradition policies between all three of those entities? I don't know. I'm sure she doesn't. She's underfunded and doesn't, you know, appear to want to expose yourself to further, you know, uh, scrutiny and abuse the way that we know victims of domestic violence often find themselves mm-hmm. scrutinized and criticized and come after by large swaths of fanship. The, the onus isn't on her. To me, the onus is on the leagues. Yeah. And it's not, it, I have very little to say about Zverev himself. Like he's playing good tennis and he, I'm sure if people want to watch the Labor Cup, they can see him play in it. My issue is more with the empowered bodies, the power, the powers that people have, and this is specifically teammate, to take action. And mm-hmm. there's no there's no reason that that shouldn't be happening. And to actively invite somebody with whom this over whom this cloud is hovering without doing an investigation and exonerating them yourselves is is a choice. And it says something about power structures. And it also says something about why people don't come forward in the first place. Yeah. Because everybody in tennis, with the exception of, frankly, brave reporters and people who are clear-minded enough to sort of say, hey, this is a big problem, um, have backed the default power structure that exists. Yeah, I agree on all of it. Um, and it's a sad uh, commentary in uh, tennis it's also, overall. As, as any of this criticism is intended to be taken, whether it's us talking about the Tennis Channel or us talking about Labor Cup or us talking about governing bodies, I don't like to see it as criticism. I like to see it as an invitation to do better. Yeah. Hey, it's an invitation to do better. Yeah. It was the same thing with what happened with Naomi. Like it's, you know, there, there, there are, there are people that, you know, really support her and there are people that don't. Yeah. Um, and there are people that don't support her for X reasons and the people that support her because of Y reasons. Yeah. Um, I say, let's take a step back and say, what can we do as a sport to make it better? Yeah. Um, what can we do it, as media to make it better? In an overall situation. Yeah. And we now have Naomi Osaka not playing probably for the rest of the year. Yeah. Is that better for us? I don't think so. Um, now, yeah. where's her state of mind? I don't know. Is she? Does she love tennis? I don't know. Does she, you know, is she completely exposing herself constantly to this narrative of, you know, you're weak and you don't want to play tennis and you're too busy going to the Met Gala and it's just constant exposure. I don't know. I mean, probably the best thing for her is to completely step away from maybe, the but, game for a but while. But I can tell you, is the game better having her in it? Absolutely. Right. So Same. And again, like, and I think so many of these things, especially on Twitter, want to be like, you're a pro Alex Farab. You're pro Olya. You're anti-Naomi. You're pro-Naomi. It's like, I don't know, all of this stuff, like anything, is an opportunity to be introspective, be in dialogue, try to actually hear what people are saying and, and get to a place that's that's better than you found it. And maybe that's just too, I mean, <laughs> just too idealistic, but I, I, but I think, again, none of this stuff is set in stone. 
people, the NBA went from not having a domestic violence policy to having one, right? Unfortunately, you know, um, tennis is an individual sport. And um, as you said, the USTA or, you know, the Grand Slams can have their say in certain things, but the ATP and the WTA can write their own rules. And it's the only power that they have over the players is that they can actually stop a player from playing an event or whatever because it is sanctioned by them. Right. Um, and, you know, these exhibitions, you don't invite people that you that are just in disrepute in so many ways to right. what you believe in as a human being. Um, and so, yeah, Um so challenge the overall code. picture. Do better. Do better. Invite women and think about. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Where's where are the women's events? I don't know, but I would much rather be turning on the TV and seeing, uh, you know, the Hoffman Cup this week. Or yeah, you know, I'm I'm not watching it. I'm watching Ostrava. And but then as I'm you watch said, Chicago. Caitlin, I mean, this is getting support from the USDA, from Tennis Australia. It's like. To me, that I have an I have an issue with that. I do too. That's I why have I an said issue it. with that. I do too. And listen, I know Craig Tiley. Um, he's a friend. Um, you know, obviously Stacey Allister. All these people at the USTA and Tennis Australia—they're friends of mine, and I love that they're promoting the sport more. And this is a, a huge event. But what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say. I think that's what? all we can say. So, so in other words, you're going to let a. a, 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 a you're going to let teammate or yeah. IMG or WME or at Octagon, all these, you know, sports agencies, agencies that yeah. have the players. They That's the problem. They own the players, right. right? They own the players. Right. These agencies, these agents own the players and tell right. them what to play. And this is how much I got money for you. Yeah. I got you a quarter of a million dollars to play three matches here. Would you play it? Yeah, of course they're going to play it. Yeah. These players aren't vested in the betterment of tennis. That's the problem. Well, these players are not vested in the betterment of tennis. They're yeah. not. Okay. Well, and they're not in tennis. Some people are going to be really pissed at me for saying that. That's true. They are vested in, as are the agents, how much money am I going to put in my pocket? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's all they care about. Right. Well, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, we, we live in a society. It's an incentive that, system. Yeah. But. When you are getting money given to you by governing bodies yeah. that are supposed to take care of the grassroots yes. of their their sport, you, I have a problem with you sanctioning an event that is solely for one sex. Yeah, hundred percent. I do. Yeah, yeah. There's so many problems with labor. Now, cup. if you want to take all the money that you make from labor cup and you put it into grassroots for women, then I'm and then and you 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 let me know that and you say this is where it's going. Yeah. Okay, then we might have a different conversation. Oh, well, look at that. I think you just got to my conclusion of what an opportunity to do, do better. better. Do better. There you go. Well, it's a challenge to you guys. We know you're going to make a shit ton of money off Labor Cup. You're going to make a shit ton of money. You have a, an opportunity to do better. So let us know when you do. Next topic. Next topic. Um, I'm just, uh, did you feel how cool it was when you left your apartment today? <laughs> we are getting into fall. <laughs> I know. I'm going to, um, as soon as we're done recording, publish a beautiful photo series that um, our creative director, David Bartholo from Gorilla vs. Bear, who's one of our LA um, brain trusts, 
took of Hawaii because David and I were all talking this morning about how we're not ready for the fall and we want to still hang on to the summer. I you like asshole it. get to go to Australia. So of well, course hold you on. like it. No, don't you get call to... me an asshole because you know how much it's costing me to fly back to Australia well, sure, because speaking of the, the pandemic, it is the point. No, it's not the I point. I'm not lining my pockets you like all these to, other tennis players. You get to go <laughs> to a summertime. You get two summers okay, a year. Okay, I that's, hear what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I, I would pay and quarantine to get two summers a year. I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, look, poor, poor people in Melbourne who have the Australian Open, you know, they've been in lockdown more than anybody in the world other than maybe North Korea. And, and I'm not kidding you. Poor, poor Victorians. It's tough. And they just had a fucking earthquake. Okay. Yeah. So give them a break. They need the Australian Open. Hopefully we can have crowds. I'm giving them a break. I'm just not giving you a break. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Well, I got to do a lot of travel. I hope I can go to Melbourne one day. I've never been to the Australian Open. Listen, all I can say is people, we are trying to do better by the sport. We are thankful that you have joined us for this very interesting and different podcast yeah. for us. We got a little, um, what's the word? Controversial? No? Yeah. Um, we are in the Wilson pop-up store and everyone is downstairs and they're being very quiet for us. And we do appreciate that. But if you are in New York, come to the Wilson pop-up store. It's on Broadway and Houston. Yeah. which And pick is, up our guide to New York City Tennis. And Chicago is one of the great cities in the world. So <laughs> go visit Chicago. Even though, you, when was the last time you were there? I, I'm not a big Chicago person. Oh, I love Chicago. Go to the West Loop, best restaurants. It's very windy. It's very oh, cold. Oh, come on. Get over yourself. I don't, I just don't, I don't. You're from Montreal. Give, it's a, give me a break. It's on a lake. We love lakes. Well, you, that's one of the many ways in which we diverge. I'm a river. I'm a river gal. All right, well, listen, stay tuned to the tour for the rest of the year, and we're going to get back to you at some point about all of it. Fantastic. All right, thanks, Renee. We love you, peeps. Thanks, Wilson. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Rogerian and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 